when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. I just hit record. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> put this in the GPS. You are three hours and two minutes away from Ina Garten's house in moderate to heavy traffic. Your destination will be on the right. Everything will be beautiful. Ina will welcome you with open arms and her home will smell like flowers and fresh baked pie. After a scintillating conversation with the barefoot Contessa, her husband Jeffrey will descend the stairs lured by the smell of perfectly roasted chicken for dinner. It is destined that the three of you will stay up until the early morning drinking rosé and sharing the secrets of life. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and today we're taking you on a road trip to your dream destination. No summer worth remembering is complete without a journey to a beautiful beach town. And sure, everyone has their own dream destination. But what if your journey included a visit to one of America's greatest national treasures? On today's episode of Munchies the Podcast, we've rented a car, We've loaded it up with fresh produce from the Munchies rooftop garden, grabbed a very cold bottle of rosé, and we plugged in the GPS coordinates to Ina and Jeffrey Garden's house in East Hampton. This parking space is even more beautiful than I expected. Okay, so unless you've been living under a rock, you're familiar with the Barefoot Contessa. Ina Garden is author of 10 New York Times bestselling cookbooks, and she's host of the Emmy and James Beard award-winning Barefoot Contessa Back to Basics show on the Food Network. And since today's episode is about making dreams come true, we're spending a very breezy afternoon inside Ina's kitchen. We're here to learn about the side of Ina you might not know. We're going to sit down and chat with Ina about her new cookbook, Cooking for Jeffrey. We're also going to talk about her life beyond the Barefoot Contessa, like how before assuming her role as one of the world's biggest food icons, she actually trained as a private pilot, and how she was writing nuclear budget policy in the White House before she ever dreamed of operating a specialty food store. You're about to hear the first installment of our two-part series with Ina. We're sitting here at our beautiful kitchen table, and it's actually the same space where she films her TV show. So let's jump right in and roll the tape. The question I just asked Ina is about something she's famous for, throwing a perfect dinner party, making it look stupidly easy without actually stressing out. Don't let them see you sweat. <laughs> Everybody wants to believe, and it's the essence of a great dinner party, that you just whip this up in the few minutes before they got there. They don't want to know that the chicken didn't come out right and the wine wasn't delivered so it's not cold. And Nobody wants to know that. So when the doorbell rings, you take a deep breath, do a little yoga breathing, <laughs> and you just make your guests feel like you're really happy to see them. Putting on a party is a big deal. Cooking for me is really hard. 
I mean, I do it a lot. I've been doing it professionally for 40 years. You'd think at some point it would get easier, but it doesn't. I'm not a trained professional chef. And it's in, in, the, in a way, I think the fact that I'm not is why I can relate to how hard it is. You know, I can't just throw things together. It's really stressful, and that's just the cooking. Then you have to set the table, then you have to set up the bar, then you have to make cocktails, you have to make a first course, main course, side dishes, cheese course maybe, and dessert. It's an enormous undertaking to do a dinner party. And there's really only one thing that I do to make it slightly less stressful, and that is I make a really serious game plan. So I figure out exactly when I have to turn on what oven. And literally, when people walk in, they're like, what's that? Um, it's like, it's a list. It says, 5 o'clock, turn the first oven to 350 degrees and the second oven to 500 degrees. 5.15, put in the filet beef in. 5.30, put the apple tart in. It's, it's a very, very structured thing because otherwise, I, you know, all day I'm going, oh, my God, I have to start making dinner. And then I look at my list and I go, no, I don't. I have to start at 5 o'clock. Can you think back to a time where you had a dinner party and it went badly? Well, my first party went badly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to think so hard. I, um, Jeffrey and I were first married. We lived in North Carolina. He was in the military. And I invited 20 people for brunch. Remember brunch? Oh. Actually, it's kind of come back now, hasn't it? <laughs> and I decided I was going to make an omelet for everybody. So I was in the kitchen the entire time. And 20 people were sitting in my living room who didn't know each other. And nobody said, it was just one of the most awkward parties I've ever, it probably has to be the most awkward party I ever gave. <laughs> and I learned from it. It took me probably a year to give another party, but I learned from it. You know, there are certain numbers that are great, and you don't invite so many people that don't know each other um, without being in the room, because you have to connect people. Since you started Barefoot Contessa, and, you know, as you've been in this industry, what do you think you know, over the past 20 years or so, how would you say home entertaining has shifted? Where do you think people's interests are today versus 20 years ago? Uh, you know, I, I don't really know, and I have to say my cooking hasn't changed at all. I think maybe I'm more in, a little more <clears throat> insistent on great flavor, a little more insistent on a recipe that's easy to do, um, but maybe that's just honing skills. But I don't think my palate has changed at all. I think people have, you know, restaurant food has gone from, you know, roast chicken to eel eyeballs with foam and back to roast chicken. <laughs> but, but home cooking really hasn't changed that much. My generation had somebody home cooking so you could hang out in the kitchen, but the next generation didn't. You know, mom was a, um, she wasn't home making dinner for everybody. Um, and I think the next generation is actually more interested in food for two reasons. One is they didn't have it. Um, they didn't have mom home cooking for them or dad or anybody. And, um, and I think Food Network's had a huge impact. I think that young boys grew up seeing Bobby Flay and Mario Batali and Michael Simon, and they were having a ball. And they saw that you could be a, a boy and cook. It's not like women's work. So I think that's had a huge impact. And they also you're, watched you're that, you. You're that generation. What? <laughs> and they were watching, watching me you. too. Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're that generation. Do you feel that way? That um, food, yes. food Network had an impact on th that you can do it. It's like it's not a mystery. You can cook and you can have fun doing it. When I still believed in Santa Claus in middle school, which says a lot, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was asking for like a creme brulee torch because uh, that's how much I was, I was learning. Great. But, uh, <laughs> 
You know, when you begin thinking about creating a recipe, where is the first place that you go? Um, it happened yesterday. I was passing the milk pail um, where they had, all of a sudden, they had fresh peaches. And I thought, hmm, maybe I'll make a peach tart tomorrow. And it's in the oven. So if something, I see something that inspires me or a remembered flavor, I mean, the classic is for my first book is the pan-fried onion dip. I mean, we all know Lipton's onion soup mixed dip. <laughs> but I thought, why isn't this better? And then I thought, well, why don't I just make it with real onions? So I sauteed onions really slowly until they caramelized, added, I think, sour cream and mayonnaise. And, um, and so many people have told me they've made it for a dinner party, eaten the entire thing, yes. <laughs> and then had to make it again for the dinner party. <laughs> I actually did that. You did? <laughs> really? So well, that's, that's yeah. it's because it's a remembered flavor, but it's absolutely delicious. That's the problem with, I think, your cooking is that every time I've problem. actually made things yeah. from your cookbooks, I always have to double it because I end up eating all of it. Like, it was, I remember you made that, um, the Asian chicken, like the peanut salad. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that was probably one of the first dishes, like when I was you know, younger that I thought, oh, I'm going to have friends over and like wow them. And I, I made an entire bowl of it and then I ate all of it. So they came over and I had to order pizza. So. <laughs> Sorry That's guys, great. next time. Um, yeah. My test about whether something makes it into the book is it's so good that we um, sit down and eat it for lunch. And then one of my assistants goes home and makes it for dinner. <laughs> That's a, if that happens, I'm like, okay, that's Ping. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I also like to take something that you know and do it in a slightly different way. Do it like we were just making strawberry shortcakes. Um, to do the biscuits in a, you know, I have a sense of what they should be light, but I put a little bit of orange zest in the biscuit so it has a little more flavor. And instead of just doing strawberries, we did strawberries and raspberries and we marinated them with a little sugar. Um, and instead of doing whipped cream, we did yogurt and honey. So it's strawberry shortcake. It's something you know, you, when you look at it, you know exactly what it is. But each of the elements is just a little bit better than you expect. I'm getting really hungry right now. <laughs> I have one to make for you. <laughs> so I have heard that you have a pretty epic cookbook collection. I do. I can't pass a cookbook without buying it. <laughs> I have the same problem. I have over 500 cookbooks. Well, you may have me beat. It's, yeah. it's not a good thing. What do you do case. with them? Where do, where do you put them? They're just in my bookshelves. And I, I look at them. I love them. Yeah. They're like, I'm like a cat lady, but with books, kind of. <laughs> um, for you, what is that one cookbook? Well, you know, the cookbooks that I use a lot beside my own, and when I'm cooking for friends, and I only use my books because I know the recipes work, I'm familiar with them, the flavors are right. But the cookbooks that inspire me are actually especially food store cookbooks. Um, they're like Loaves and Fishes cookbooks, um, especially food store right near here in Bridgehampton. Um, uh, Sarah Chase writes wonderful cookbooks. Um, she had a specialty food store called, on Nantucket called Quesera Sarah. Um, open house cookbook, cold weather cooking. She has a whole series of wonderful cookbooks. She has a, a main cookbook now. <clears throat> I just find that people, especially food stores, are making food that you, you're taking home. So instead of going to a restaurant um, chef cookbook, um, they tend to be things that you eat in restaurants. And, you know, one of the ingredients is a quarter of a teaspoon of demi-glace. I mean, you can find that in a restaurant kitchen, but you can't find it in my house. So I find that it's 
ingredients that you can find in the grocery store um, and food that you want to eat at home, which is really quite simple rather than kind of challenging. And it's, it's not designed to impress. It's designed to make people feel really comfortable. Like we were talking about um, a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. I love to invite people for lunch in the summer and get really good, thick-cut smoked bacon, applewood smoked bacon, tomatoes from the farm stand, lettuce from the garden, and you know, white bakery bread from a bakery, just perfectly toasted with mayonnaise. I mean, it's it's a BLT, but it's like the best BLT you've ever had. What did you have for breakfast today? Same thing I always have for breakfast every day: <laughs> oatmeal and coffee. Yeah. And is how do you how do you make it? I I use McCann's um, quick cooking oatmeal, not instant quick cooking, and uh, I make it in the microwave, and that's breakfast, and really good coffee. And how do you take your coffee? With milk. In a French press or no, just uh, drip, drip, either drip or I have an espresso. If I'm like really <laughs> dragging in the morning, <laughs> I'll make myself a cappuccino. <laughs> so I want to back up because I think you've had such an amazing uh, career and history. Thank and um, I think something that struck me as pretty amazing about you is that you worked in the White House. Thank and um, unlikely, yes, <laughs> in nuclear energy policy. <laughs> It sounds like the current administration probably might need your help, but um, <laughs> what exactly did you do? Can you explain a little bit? I can totally explain yeah. it. Um, there are several departments in the federal government that deal with nuclear energy. Um, some, like the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, um, oversees anything that has to do with nuclear energy, and I was responsible for the president's budget for the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And there was a part of the Department of Energy which produced enriched uranium. This is very technical. Is this what you like? No, <laughs> enriched uranium that's fuel for, for nuclear reactors. And I was responsible for the part of the budget for the Department of Energy that produced enriched uranium. Walk me through what a typical day of work looked like for you when you were working um, there. I would look, you can't obviously change everything in the budget, so you would pick something that you think would have the most impact um, in terms of either policy or um, dollars. And so um, I might have <clears throat> overseen, for example, this is a good example. The, the federal government had uh, private contractors who were actually running these uranium enrichment plants. And the, I think the program at the time was, I don't know what it is now, but at the time, this was in the 70s, it was, I think, a $20 billion project to build a new one and the private company wanted to build it, and the federal government wanted them to build it too. So we would get $20 billion out of the federal budget in one fell swoop. In 1974, that was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money, but it was really a lot of money then. It was a huge project. And so we decided, we, I investigated and made sure that it wasn't really changing anything except who, who paid for it. And um, so we took it out of the president's budget. When the budget went to the Hill, Unfortunately, there was a really powerful um, Congress, I think a senator at the time, a congressman, in whose district that plant was. And if it was run by a private company, he lost control of it. So he would put it back in the budget. And every year we would take it out, and every year he would put it back in again. <laughs> and finally, after four years, I thought, 
this is just a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, to this day, I think it's still in the budget. Perfect. That would be, yeah. the, that would be <laughs> at the aforementioned peach tart. <laughs> Do you mind if I just go check no, it? No, please. Thank, Thank you. you. Of course. <laughs> So we're going to let Ina check in on her peach tart, and we're going to pick right up where we left off in the next installment. I have to give the biggest thank you to Ina Garden for inviting us into her beautiful home and providing us with all of those incredible desserts. And a huge thank you to Kate Tyler and Lighty Hoke for all their help. And as always, thanks so much to my podcast producer, Phil Dumhofsky. And if you haven't already picked up a copy of Ina Garden's newest cookbook, Cooking for Jeffrey, you should, because your life isn't as complete without that roast chicken with radishes recipe. Trust me. And hey, here's my cash for gold moment. We're putting out our very first cookbook. It's called Munchies, Late Night Meals from the World's Best Chefs. It drops October 24th. And the best part is you can pre-order it now. And as always, you can get all of our delicious Munchies content over at munchies.tv. Hit us up at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, too. And if you like the show, show us some love and rate it on iTunes. It actually does help us out. I'm Helen Holliman. I'll talk to y'all real soon. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com.